Welcome to The Author's Tale, casual conversations with prominent New Zealand authors, presented by me, Stephanie Fruin. In the first few episodes of this series, we heard Kathleen Gallagher's tale, a poet, playwright, novelist and filmmaker. We are now up to episode 6 of Gavin Bishop's tale. He's a children's book author and illustrator. If you're a new listener, I recommend pausing and going back through the earlier episodes to appreciate Gavin's journey, what set him on this career path, it certainly wasn't the job he originally set out to do, who he's met along the way, and what he's learnt along the way to make him really good at his job. In this episode, we conclude our discussion about his book, The House That Jack Built, which reveals the complexities of British colonisation in New Zealand before we move on to other topics. The House That Jack Built is available through Gecko Press. All the recordings with the authors take place in their own home, hence the less than perfect sound quality. And so, and so just thinking again about that whole, um, the merging of the cultures, yeah. which is what you, you yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. this is, the, the house that Jack built is, um, does that brilliantly. Well here's, you see here's, here's Pākehā, yeah, yeah, yeah. Pākehā Māori, with the priest Mary. and, yeah. The marrying of the two. Yeah. Um, yes. So that's old Eddie Harpetti and and uh, mm. John Horton Mackay. Yeah. And you'll see there's a Mackay. Ah, well done you. You snuck that in as well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> on, the, on the box. On the box. On the box. So the Mackay, this, this guy, he, he is, he's, he's the Mackay. Yeah. He's, he's yeah. arrived. Yeah. And originally... She had her hands on the cow's teat. Yes. And one of the young editors said, No, no, no. Take the hands off the cow's teats because it's a little bit suggestive. <laughs> <laughs> so I said, All right, okay, well, we can do that. Yeah. So he, 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 he helps to take yeah. that one character and, and her. Yes. They help take, you know. Yeah. And the thing I like, what I like, uh, uh, what I like a lot about the book, but the other thing that I like about it is that. There's no, yes, it shows how colonisation can destroy another culture or can lessen another culture, can weaken it or yes. push it to the background, which is what has happened here. Um, but there's no sense of, there's no, um, uh, I don't feel like there's a real sort of um, shame on you attached to the, to the, English, to the Englishman who comes over it's, I definitely feel like it's more a case of they were simply searching for something better than what they had. That's right. Which yes. is what we're, everyone does in a way, isn't it? Yeah, because that's what he's that. leaving. He's Exactly. Look at what he's leaving, this trail of destruction. Yeah, the, and, yeah. you know, and at the time, it's, of course, it was the famine. Yeah, and, um, and the, the world that he's leaving, it's, it's complex, it's grey, yeah, and it's... It's falling down around it's his falling ears. falling down around his ears, and he comes to... Looking for new land. A completely new world. Yeah. But... When he does arrive, he doesn't understand no. the world that he's arrived in. No, not at all. And it's interesting. I'm reading that, and then I'm also reading um, Artur. Yeah. Um, your Artur and your other books that you focus on the um, the Maori gods and yeah. the mythology. You get a much bigger understanding of um, of how important the mythology is to the Māori culture. Oh, that's huge. It's huge. The other thing I think is fascinating, is very interesting, is that if we like to 
really um, study and process the Maori um, creation myths and adapt those and adopt some of those Mm. philosophies to the protection of this country and to our environment, Mm. the answers are all there. Because if you believe Mm. that you are part of the natural world, why would you go stuffing it up? Because it's it's part of your... It's part of you. Yeah. And that's what Maori, that's traditional Maori belief. Absolutely. Is that, the, that you are a descendant mm. of Papatu and Nuku Rangi Nui. You're just one of all these other things that they produced and yeah. made. And so therefore you are no more important yeah. than a bird or a rock or a cloud or whatever. And I think, yeah. yeah. And is that sort of, so go, looking at Atua is um, a book of importance, I'm assuming, for for you and or significance yeah for that reason yes that sort of yes yes the dawning of although I must I'm, I have to admit it was commissioned by Penguin Random House yeah they said we want a book like this or they said we you? want a book about the um, uh, you know Murray Myths and Legends yeah. book yeah and I said do you realise how many there are already <laughs> she said they said we don't care we want another one <laughs> So I'm working on one at the moment about the land wars, yeah. uh, New Zealand wars, mm. which for a long time have been called the Maori wars, yeah. putting the blame on them. Yeah, uh, of course. Again, I said to, I said to um, Penguin Random House, I said, do you realise how many there are out there? And they mm. said, well, we don't care. Mm. We'd like one from you. I what said, I thought was interesting, I've recently learnt this through um, researching my own family history, is um, I did not realise, of course, until you start researching, you don't, that the, um, that the English government at the time for the Māori War, the New Zealand Wars, I must stop saying that myself, um, went to Australia and got 2,500 yeah. English Scots and Irishmen brought them out here. and brought them to New Zealand with a promise of land That's for right. fighting. That's right. Well, you come and fight our, fight our war, right. and we'll give you some land. And yeah. then, of course, the majority, at the end of the war, if they survived the war themselves, yeah. the bit of land they got was worth nothing anyway. No. It was pretty useless. No, it's pretty crappy. Pretty crappy. Seemingly, seemingly there were a thousand um, wives and children who came with them. Wow. They bought a lot of, they bought out a whole lot of extra soldiers, um, troops from Australia uh, at beginning of the Waikato War mm. in 1863 mm. they bought out two or three thousand yeah. or one or two thousand yeah. or something like yeah. then as mm-hmm. well and all those gunboats mm. were commi- some of them were commissioned the Pioneer which was the biggest one was commissioned by Grey mm. from Australia and it was built in Australia then bought over here and I clad with iron in Manukau Harbour before it sailed south to wow. the Waikato River. Wow. It was designed, the whole thing was clad in iron and it had pipes. It was a steam, steam mm. ship. It had pipes around the outside that could spurt hot water onto any oh. Maori in their waka that wow. came too close. Wow. A true battleship. Yeah. The intent. Yes. Is, a, is, is extreme, isn't it? It's very extreme. My goodness. 
this the history I think is just complete and this is all stuff we don't know and we've never been don't taught no it. one's ever explored it and as and as a New Zealand um you know, when you're raised here and, and you just have this life of complete ignorance. I know you do. And every other country in the world seems to have, this white, have these wonderful stacks and stacks of history books, don't they? Telling them what Well, we were at do. primary school. And when we were at primary school, we did social studies, yeah. which was not... We didn't have history at no. primary school. It's social studies. And I can still remember in one of my social studies books heading up the page, Good Governor Grey. <laughs> Fabulous is there. Good and Governor Grain. He wasn't so good at all, I don't think. terrible. No. Yeah. Very clever man, though, I think. Mm. Oh. Very, very clever. Yeah. Very, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Very clever. Mm. Gosh. Okay. So, Atua, Aotearoa. Yep. This is, this is our one. I love this book. I think this is fabulous because having a, you know, as you get older, the, as you get older, you get more interest, don't you, in your own... You do. In your own um, history, in your own you do. world. And to me, I thought, I, I loved this book. I think this is a great book. And this sits actually on our bookcase in our lounge. Um, and it was probably the first time that I got to read a book um, that said our history as it was. In a, in a nice, succinct manner. Yeah. Um, great for not only children yes. and young audiences, but also for adults yeah. who don't want to sit and read the whole of Michael King's no. History of New Zealand, which no. I've also got. But yes. you know what I mean? Yes, um, I do you know what I mean? I think, yay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely a yay moment when you, when you did this. Well, it's, it's done very well. Gavin's books, Atua, Aotearoa and Wildlife of Aotearoa, are large format books covering the topics of Māori gods and heroes, the history of Aotearoa New Zealand, and the extraordinary wildlife of Aotearoa. They are all published by Penguin Random House. It's sold in large numbers. Mm. Um, it has, and that's the sort of book they want me to write about yeah. the New Zealand wars, but they are much more complicated, much more complex than that. Yeah. For some reason, that was simpler to do it was easier to pick out little bits and pieces and sprinkle them across the page mm. with some interesting pictures but mm. you i can't i i've got too much text on this thing yeah. i'm working on at the moment. yeah and it's trimming it down isn't it for, for example there's a there's like a four page se- section on um titoko waru yeah over in um taranaki in taranaki and he was this kind of incredible guy. Um, he started off, brought up as a Methodist, then switched to Paimarie, Ho-Ho, and became a kind of a spiritual leader, and then switched from being this kind of peaceful spiritual leader to someone who was just out to, to kill everyone. But he was a brilliant. Um, he was a brilliant architect of military fortifications, mm. and he could design, and they would build within a week or two a big power. Mm. Incredible designs, mm. utterly amazing. Mm. And um, I mean, how do you? I mean, I, I find it 
I've been I've been writing the text and trying to reduce it down. Mm. Um, but to do him justice mm. as a character, yeah. that sort of approach won't Doesn't, do it. No. It won't do it no. because he's so interesting. Because he, he the, the the governor at the time it wasn't wasn't Gray somebody else. They put a twenty five thousand pounds or twenty five hundred pounds or something or other um, bounty on his head. Wow. So he posted one for two for two pennies. For the, for the governor's head, <laughs> all that sort of stuff. He was yeah, yeah, yeah. so clever. He was playing these people yeah. at their own. Yeah. And he says, he, and he would post things like, because he could write brilliantly, because yeah. he'd been trained by the mission, yeah. mission stations, mission missionaries. He wrote somewhere else that um, he was developing a taste for human flesh, and in fact, what they did was they would kill. Um, after each battle, they would have a, they would select one of the bodies to eat as a ceremony, oh, ceremonial God. thing. Um, it worked cut out for you there, haven't you? I have. And very, before, have. We, before we finish, I, we have to yes. very quickly talk about Teddy One Eye. Yes, certainly. Um, That's very close to my heart, that book. And you can tell when you read it. I loved this book. My mum bought this book for my daughter back in 2013 or whatever it was when yeah. it came out. And she sat 2014, Christmas 2014 is when yes. Mum bought it for yes. And Mum sat and read it to her. Um, and then I and I read it as well, and we all cried. Well, my <laughs> I've got a, a um, one grandson who's eight. Yeah. And his father read it to him at night, yeah. you know, before he went to sleep. And the minute he finished the last page, he said, "Start again." <laughs> Start again, go to the beginning. Start again. Teddy One Eye, the autobiography of a teddy bear, follows the life of Teddy as he's handed from one set of small hands to another. And it's through the Teddy's one remaining eye that we learn about the family life of his owners, what's happening in New Zealand current affairs at the time, and it's through Gavin's clever illustrations we are also given the history of teddy bears as they featured in world events over the decades. It's just a delight. It's a book to be read and shared by young and old alike. Especially those of us who, who are teddy people. Not everybody's a teddy person, but I was definitely a teddy person. Well, I was too. And, I've still got them. Yeah, and I could totally relate with the one-eyed business. I, got, I had two second-hand teddies, I'll call them. They had been my sisters who weren't teddy people yes and I was um, four years after my the next one and so I ended up with both of the teddy bears that they had kind of ignored oh. so I had twin teddies both teddies ended up being equally patched <laughs> and <laughs> dismembered really along the way yeah. um, and then of course Juliet my daughter she's a teddy girl she has one called Rosie that goes with her everywhere still at the age of nearly 15 um, and Rosie has pride of place and so we just we got it we totally got it but yeah. I love the way you used the teddy bear to basically tell your story yes it's my yeah. it was very clever <laughs> what made you think of doing that I did it just know. come to you in a flash it just happened it just yeah. happened as I wrote it it was a good voice and do you know what excited me perhaps the most about coming here today other than talking to you I thought I was coming to Teddy's house <laughs> <laughs> it is yeah it is the wardrobe that he's sleeping is in there. And I thought it's there. 
Yeah, yeah, that stairs. you talk about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's yeah, in the basement. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's where he hung in the yeah. plastic bag. Teddy one eye. And I, yeah, and <laughs> yeah, and I thought that was very, very exciting. <laughs> Would this be one of your most popular books? No. Really? No. Oh. It's not in print. Can't buy it anymore. Oh, it is a treasured item. You can't buy it. I've got. A, I think I've got two copies of it. That's about all I've got. Wow! And I found one in Northland in a bookshop, and I bought it. You took, bought it. I grabbed it because I haven't. It's it's out of print, and as far as I know, they're not printing anymore. I don't think. It, I don't think it did very well. Isn't it a shame? Yeah. Because I read it, and I, I think don't think it did very well. At it's, all. it's a delightful book because it's not only a slice of New Zealand history. Yeah. Um, but it just. I think it just. Talks, and it sort of slots years. into uh, piano rock, quite a tough book. And it's a clever. It's quite tough. It is tough. And like, like I said, we all cried when we read it. All of us cried. Um, we found it very moving. And But what I love about it as well, this to me, it's a real slice of New Zealand history, is not only do you cover those bits, it's, yeah. you know, it sort of mirrors yeah. or fills yeah. in gaps of piano rock beautifully. Yes. Yeah. And there's some things I'm thinking, do I read it in piano rock or do I read it in Teddy One Eye? Where is it? Um... Well, he, I, he is introduced only once in there, isn't he? Yes. In, in the, he, when in he and and uh, I think the boy in Piano Rock puts him up high, up high somewhere, so the brother doesn't get it. Probably, probably. Well, I think that's. I think that might there. be right. I think that but, might be right. But um, what I loved about this as well is the fact that you you take us, you tell us what's going on. Yeah. We got married. Yesterday was a number one hit for the Beatles. Um, you know, $50,000 was stolen from the Blenheim Post Office, although, and that was dollars then, was that after it became yeah. decimal currency. Yeah. Decimal yeah. currency was introduced in yeah. 68, 60, 67. 60. 67, maybe. Yeah. 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 Um, and I love that. And it always thinks about teddy bears. Neil Armstrong took a teddy bear to the moon. You know, and things <laughs> like that. And it's, just, it's, I think you've done, it's very clever what you've done. Yeah. With this book. Yeah. And I think it's underrated as a... I think... No? Well, I think people, again... It's got a lot to do with people um, making up their minds about what you are, who you are. Mm. I think people think I'm an illustrator. Mm. And that's it, full stop. Yeah. So if I do anything like write something, then well, yeah, can't you don't take that seriously because he's another story. Because I, I don't know. Because isn't that funny? Because I seriously because even though I as I, I read about you know you and da 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 and I'd heard about obviously and, you know um, I and I don't know where it originally came from. My understanding was that you had started as a book illustrator, but clearly that was one hundred percent wrong. What well, I started. As being both. Yeah. Hmm. Well, and as you will notice from that, what I said, you would have read that thinking, oh no, she's got me completely wrong. No. Um, uh, and so it's interesting, isn't it? So I wonder why, uh, who, who knows, and who cares, because it, it doesn't matter anymore. It's what people now think, isn't it, and going forward, I suppose. Yeah, but I w well, I would love to see Teddy One Eye. Um, I'd love to see it reprinted. Really good film, too. I know. <laughs> uh, well, <laughs> great movie. Well, um, it's it's doing well in China. Mm. They printed it, but they redesigned it. They redesigned it so it would fit into a series of books that, oh. that all 
conform to a particular theme. Yeah. And they, but it's, but they've reprinted it. Yeah. It's, it's been, it's still in print, yeah. and they've reprinted it, and it's doing reasonably well. I don't make yeah. a lot of money out of it or anything. Yeah. Have you got anything else that you want to say about anything? Well, as a fundraising thing for myself, go on. I did. I did write a lot of these <laughs> for Wendy Pie once. Oh, you good. Gavin is now showing me a large number of beginner and early reader books published by Wendy Pye Limited. Dame Wendy Pye, a New Zealander, originally started her educational literacy business in the United States, but in the 1990s began to develop new markets in Asia and Australia. The Wendy Pye and Sunshine Books label has sold millions of early reader books throughout the world. I didn't illustrate them. I wrote them. You wrote them? Wrote them. I wrote a lot. um, I wrote a lot of wow. reading books. Yeah, because and the funny thing was, I, when you, when you in your piano rock, is it might yep. be or it might be in TD One. I can't remember. You talked yep. about the Janet and John books. Yes, 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 yes. This in piano rock. Yeah, and I was thinking to myself, I'm thinking, oh, we need Gavin Bishop's version of Janet and John, John yeah. for Tadeo. Yeah. That's what we need to learn today. Is that's what we need? Have you seen Mahi and Kuro? Yes, I've seen Mahi, yeah. and I haven't seen the other one. See Kuro? No, I haven't seen okay, that. No, but um, I mean they've written to a recipe. Yeah. yeah, yeah, but that's what we need. Well, that's and what the, a reading book is. Exactly. A reading book is totally different to this. That's exactly yeah. right. And there's a formula, and there's that's a, a way you have to write them yeah. for them to be that's good. Right. Yeah. Now, that one there. Yes. That one the there. Secret so, Lives of Mr. and Mrs. Smith. Did you ever see the film? Mr. and Mrs. Smith, yes. But they both on there. I'll tell you this is another good story. I was sitting here one day. <laughs> <laughs> what year? When was it published? Uh, before the film was made. 1997. Yeah. The film came out a couple of years after that. And a, 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 a professor at a teacher's college in in America sent me an email saying I hope you received some really good royalties for the use of your book I said what do you mean he said have you seen Mr. and Mrs. Smith the film I said no he said well I suggest you go and have a look at it so Vivi and I went off to look at the film and you went oh my goodness here's I my said book. to Vivian later on I said um, what do you reckon she said it's a film of your book I said but my book's only got 24 pages and this book and for oh. kids and this film is two hours long lots of drama yeah. and so on she said it's still a film of your book so anyway uh, I didn't do very much about it for ages then a friend of mine who was writing sort of part-time for the press I told him one day, he yeah. says, oh my God, he said, that's a great story. So he's, he did this big um, story and it came out on the front page of the press. Oh. Well, did the verb, yeah, proverbial hit the fan. I bet, yeah, yeah, yeah. It went, the story went all around the world. Yeah. There were, there were articles in Turkey, there were articles in North Carolina, there were everywhere, there were articles about... Um, and this film and my claim that it had been based on my book well then some guy in in Auckland who was a lawyer said oh we'll do this on a contingency basis for you if you'd like me to have a look into it he said oh you can pay me if you get any money 
I said, oh, look, I don't know whether I want to take it that far. And he said, well, he said, have a think about it. So I thought about it, thought about it, thought about it. And then I started getting these emails from people all over the world. They found my, yeah. you know, they went onto my website, yeah. contacted me through it. They said, you know, good on you, good on you. And then the nasty ones started coming. Mm, and I thought, yeah, yeah. this is getting out of control. Yeah. I don't want to take this any further. So I contacted the guy who was going to do it on a contingency basis, I said, just drop it, yeah. forget it. But then on the other hand, to be quite totally fair, there were other old movies that I actually have never seen, yeah. but I believe they do exist, yeah. where something similar yeah. happened where the husband and wife don't realise what yeah. that they're leading parallel lives. Mm. But it's the Mr and Mrs Smith thing that kind of... And also, the fact that they ring up each other each day yeah, to, to see what they're having for dinner, yeah. and also the sprinkler comes on and they get wet when they're escaping from a particular house, and it's in my book, and yeah. it's in the film. Oh. So there we are. Another little side, a little sideways yeah. story about that book. Yeah. Um, it was published in Denmark, yeah. in Danish, and on the cover, it's got the illustrator's name and the translator's name, and my name is just in the imprint. <laughs> so that what really, do you matter, Gavin? <laughs> <laughs> so that, that put things into perspective. Goodness me. Believe me, the scriptwriters are even lower down the rung than the children's writers. I bet they are. <laughs> You're well and truly down the line. I wrote scripts once, and um, I've written quite a few TV things, and the they had this incredibly sort of, sort of throwaway attitude to, um, to to the script yeah. that you wrote. Mm. You'd write the script, write, 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 get the right number of pages and lines and things, and then you send it in, and then while they're filming it, they just crossed off. So it work. That is, it is too long, that's too long, that's going too long. Or the actor will say, no, I just don't like that. Can we change it? <laughs> yeah. Wow. Do you have an agent? No. I have, I've said to you, I've had two agents in the past. Yeah. One was in America. Both, one was in New York and one was in Boston. Mm. But I didn't like the way they expected me. No to reshape everything I did to fit a pattern that they had in mind yeah. for a particular book. Yeah. And I, I couldn't cope with that. Yeah. I just, the, the beauty of my life at the moment is that I work with two publishers who publish completely different sort of material, yeah. and they give me free reign, yeah. but they're there to watch every bit of the way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they'll come up with ideas. They and the fact that Ottawa looks as good as that is because they've got the best design team. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the Kellys, Vida and Luke Kelly, mm. are as good as you'll get anywhere mm. in the world. Mm. You couldn't want anything better than that. I mean, I've got fabulous people to work with. Yeah, yeah. And um, my uh, wildlife book that was proofread um, by Alison. She's on. She's on uh, national radio and does wildlife oh, okay. things like that. Ellison doesn't matter. And the new, the art of a book was all proofread and and okayed by the best people. You know, really good people. Yeah. So I really appreciate 
And a lot, and all those books, mm. those big books, have all been initiated or suggested by my publishers. Mm. So I've got to the stage now where I don't actually come up with my own ideas. They just, I just ask you, they tell you. They say, what about this? What about this? Yeah. Yeah. And that's good enough. And you've got that, obviously that wonderful relationship with them, which is it's great. superb. Absolutely superb. That's great. But, um, <laughs> well, look, this has been just such a pleasure. Good. Thank no, you it has been so pleasure. I've really enjoyed it. I've really, really, really enjoyed it. Would you like to see my studio? Oh, I'd love to see Would you studio. like to see some of my artwork and stuff like that? Oh, yeah. Let's have a quick look. A quick yeah. look. I don't want to take up your entire day. That concludes The Author's Tale with children's book author and illustrator Gavin Bishop. I wish to say a huge thank you to Gavin and his lovely wife Vivian for welcoming me into their home and having a chat. I hope you've enjoyed it. To listen again or to hear other tales, download the Author's Tale podcast from acast.com, Plains FM, Apple or Google Podcasts or whatever platform you listen on. Next time, we will begin the tale of poet and writer of children's, young adults and adult novels, James Norcliffe. I hope you will join me. Thank you for listening to The Author's Tale. Don't forget to subscribe or follow for free to ensure you don't miss an episode. The Author's Tale is produced and presented by me, Stephanie Fruin. It's engineered at Plains FM and it is made with assistance from the Christchurch City Council and Creative Community Scheme. (laughs) 